Have you ever wondered that? Why is there so much hurting one another? Why do, we, why do we say and do so many stupid things to each other? Why is there so much hurt? Why is there so much suffering and, and, and all of that? And really, the, the Bible tells us, remember, we're going to learn this morning, the Bible tells us that we are in a battle. What we are experiencing in life is the fruit of a fight that we are in the middle of. It's a spiritual battle. And we're going to learn this morning that our, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people or human beings, but we are engaged as believers in a spiritual battle. And so let's pray. Sound good? And then we'll get into God's word this morning. Lord, we uh, thank you so much to be together, to be with you this morning. We thank you that we belong to you, that we are your children, that not only are our lives in your hands, but our times are in your hands, that our days are numbered, and Lord, you've encouraged us um, throughout this study in your word to redeem the time, and Lord, help us not to squander the time that we have, and that in these last days, we would be living full on for you. That as we come to learn about this warfare, that we don't fight this battle alone, that you are with us, and that you've given us everything necessary to be successful in what you've called us to do, what you've called us to be. And so we thank you, Lord, we thank you for the great things you're going to do this morning as you speak to our hearts, as you um, touch and transform our lives And Lord, we pray for anyone here that does not know you, that today would be the day of salvation. And so we thank you, we commit this time to you now, and it's in your precious and holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, so just by way of reminder, um, as I said earlier, we're getting into the tail end of this letter that the Apostle Paul is writing, and remember where it began, in the first three chapters of this book or of this letter, Paul reminds us, reminds us as Christians, all of the blessings, the spiritual blessings that are ours because we've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Amen? All the spiritual blessings, all the wealth that we have, it's amazing to consider all that we have, not because of anything that we've done, but we've simply placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We've chosen to follow him, right? We've chosen to follow Jesus this morning. Amen. And so we've chosen to follow Jesus. And then the second half of this book, the Apostle Paul has been teaching us what it looks like to follow Jesus, what it looks like in marriage, in our relationships, and uh, with one another in the workplace, and everywhere the Lord would lead our feet, how we're to treat one another, how we're to treat others, and and what our life is supposed to look like when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, how we're to walk in love and walk in truth and walk in light and walk in wisdom as well. And now as we come to the tail end of the letter, Paul writes, check this out, he writes in um, verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For 
we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, and then where? In the heavenly places. Therefore, in light of that, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. What are you trying to tell us, Paul? Look at verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I'm going to stop right there. Let me draw your attention now back to um, the verse 10 right there. And remember, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, writing to believers, and we're reminded in the book of Acts what's, what happened to us when we gave our lives to Jesus. Our eyes have now been opened, haven't they? I was blind, but now I now I see. I've turned from the, from the kingdom of darkness. Now I'm part of the kingdom of light, the Bible says, or the kingdom of God's Son, Jesus Christ. We've been set free from the power of Satan, now over to the power of God also. And that's an interesting thought. Before we gave our lives to Jesus, we were at war with God. And the Bible tells us we were children of the devil. Isn't that interesting? There's no, either you're a child of God or you're a child of the devil. John tells us that. That's heavy. But now we're children of God. Behold what manner of love that we might be called the children of God. And that is what we are. Isn't that glorious to be a child of God? We have a father who cares for us, who watches over us. Thank you for the amen, little guy, wherever you are. And we have an inheritance awaiting for us in heaven. Paul says in 2 Corinthians that now our minds that were once blinded by Satan, now that we are, we're in our right mind, God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but power, love, and a sound mind. Now we're in our right mind, aren't we? Once we put our trust and faith in Jesus Christ. And so once we gave our lives to the Lord, one battle ended. We were fighting against the Lord. Now we have a whole new battle. What do we fight against? What do we, what, what's our battle? Think about our battle just for a minute. Number one, we have a battle against our flesh, don't we? The old man, the old Mike, the old you, right? That wants to go the opposite direction of Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us the prescription for our flesh, didn't he? To, take, to deny ourselves and to take up our cross annually. How much? Take up our cross daily and follow him. No to the self, death to the self, and then follow Jesus, right? And then there's the world we battle against, the world which John tells us in 1 John 5, the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we were once going with the current, just floating downstream. We were not only in the world, but we were of the world also. But now as believers, we're in the world, but we are not of the world any longer. Are you with me? 
We're swimming against the stream. And we also have a very real enemy who is known as the devil. And I want to begin this Bible study talking about there's two extremes that we need to avoid anytime we talk about the devil. Number one, some people go to the extreme. They have an overemphasis and a preoccupation with the devil and darkness. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? They think they attribute everything to the devil. The devil is in my sandwich. He's waiting to jump on me when I get out of my car. They go around binding. I'm going to bind and shackle and do this and do that to the devil. And it's interesting because in Jude, Michael wouldn't even wouldn't even make an act. Wouldn't even respond, but say the Lord rebuke you, <laughs> Michael the archangel to the devil. So there's this this preoccupation and overemphasis. But then there's also, on the flip side, those that just totally ignore. They think the devil is just some little dude on a a spam can. Is that what it is? The little red guy at the pitchfork. Guess what I'm talking about? They think that's all. Or they they freak out when we talk about the devil. They they get spooked or freaked out thinking about the exorcist and puking up pea soup or whatever. But listen, this morning... This morning, we need to have a biblical perspective and understanding of what God's... Are you with me on this? This is like super crucial because whether you realize it or not, Christian, you're in a battle. And if you don't realize it, you're losing. You're losing in the battle. And so the Apostle Paul wants us as believers to say, just like he did. Remember when he was on death row? 2 Timothy, remember he was on death row? About to get beheaded for his faith. Remember what he said to Timothy? I have fought the good. I have fought the good fight. Man, I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul wants us to be able to say the same thing as Christians that we fought the good fight and we finished the race. And so Paul helps us out here so that we don't lose in the battles that we face. Do you guys face battles every day? Do you guys face battles every day this morning? We do, don't we? We do. We have battles. And the Apostle Paul talks about not only the Lord sharing his strength with us, but also the Lord sharing his armor with us. It is called the armor of who? The armor of God. And the Apostle Paul is using an illustration of a Roman soldier putting on the helmet, the breastplate, the belt, and all of that. And Paul knew. Paul knew Roman soldiers. He grew up in, where did he grow up? Where did he grow up? L.A.? Where did, where did Paul go? Tarsus, right? That, that whole region, that whole area was conquered by Rome, part of the Roman Empire. There were soldiers everywhere. Paul grew up looking at soldiers. Paul, in fact, was chained. Where was Paul right now? Where's he at when he's writing this letter? He's in a Roman prison. Shat, chained, and there's two guards right there with him, Roman soldiers right there. And so Paul's like looking at this, this outfit and going, you know what? I'm going to help these believers connect the dots spiritually. I'm going to use this as an illustration to help them understand how they can have victory in the battle that they face every day. Isn't this beautiful? Did Paul, was this the only time Paul did this? A couple other places. If you're taking notes this morning, Romans 13 you're taking notes, I'm going to read it real quick. Romans 13, I think it's important. Paul said in Romans 13, verse 12, 
He said, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 2 Corinthians 6, if you're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 7. Paul said he did battle by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. 1 Thessalonians, if you're taking notes, 1 Thessalonians 5, I think it's verse 8 or 9. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, it is verse 8. He said, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, if you're taking notes, 2 Timothy chapter 2. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Why? That he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So the Apostle Paul, this is not something he just used one time. This is something he used on a number of different occasions. This imagery, this illustration to help us understand we are engaged in a spiritual battle this morning. And so the devil knows time is short for him. His future is the lake of fire and his angels and the fallen angels with him. And so he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking to rip us off, to wipe us out. And the Apostle Paul wants to help us. And he says in verse 10, Finally, the last of my instructions, my brethren, family, be strong in the Lord, receive strength from Jesus, find your strength in him, and in the power of his might. In other words, continue to look to the Lord, to his strength. Be dependent upon his sufficiency, his might. In fact, it's interesting, in the Greek, it's, it says, be strong in the realm of the Lord's strength and of his person. Be strong in the realm of the Lord's strength and of his person. I, I was struggling with exactly what that meant until I drove here this morning with a frog on my windshield. So there was this little frog yesterday that was climbing in around the car. Alana, my nine-year-old, was like, Dad, look at that little frog. And he, we opened the door, and we, he jumped down somewhere inside the car, and I closed the door, and I thought, oh, he, he must have got mushed. He's done, baby. He's gone. So... I'm driving down F-350 dually today, down, obeying the speed limit, going down the highway, and all of a sudden, on the windshield is this little frog again, the size of a quarter, and he's like hanging on, he's like flapping in the wind. I'm going, this dude's gone, he's gonna be gone. He's gonna be flying in a minute. And it was so cool what he did. He crawled down underneath, you know, the windshield, like there's a little ledge right by the windshield, and he climbs down in, and he's hiding in there, and I got a chance to check out later to take a look, a peek. That's his little hiding place. And it's like, that's what the Lord, that's where the Lord wants us to be, is to look to him, to rest in him, to hide in him, in his sufficiency, in his strength. Man, that little frog was no match for the wind and everything coming at him, right? He was holding on as much as he could, but once he was hidden inside that front end in the power of that truck, that's what the Lord wants us to be. Apart from the Lord, I can do nothing. 
I need him every single day, every single moment. So we are to continually look to him, to continually ask him to, Lord, I need your strength. I need your strength to do even the smallest things in my life. I need you. And listen, listen he doesn't get weary of us asking him. Because Paul encourages us here. He says, listen, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How strong is the Lord? Does he, he wants to share his, his power and strength with you and I. Isn't that beautiful to consider this morning? The Apostle Paul experienced it, didn't he? Remember he had that thorn in the flesh and he, he was bummed. He wanted to get rid of it. It was gnarly. He's like, Lord, please take this away. And Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And Paul's like, I'll boast in my weakness now. Because when I'm weak, then I get to experience his strength. I get to experience his anointing upon my life. And that's where we want to be, is seeing the Lord work through us, right? You guys want to see the Lord work through your life? Amen. Put on. Look at the next verse, verse 11. Put on. That's our responsibility, to clothe ourselves, to put on the the whole armor of God, every part of the armor we're to put on, all the pieces, and please notice they're from, it's the whole armor from who? It's from God, and he expects us to appropriate that armor, to take the armor he's given us, and to put it on what he's provided. We are to be continually dependent upon his strength, but he asks us to put on the armor that he's given us. And by the way, do you know that the Lord shares his armor with us too? If you're taking notes, I'd never seen this, well, I'd seen it before, but I never really realized it. Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59, God shares his armor with us. This is so beautiful. Isaiah 59, 17, for he, the Lord, put on righteousness as a breastplate, and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Isn't that beautiful? The Lord shares his armor, his equipment with us. And so why? He's saying, listen, you Christians, that you Christians, you believers, may be able, may have the ability continually to what? To stand against the wiles of the devil. And it means to hold your ground, to be immovable, to be dug in against the wiles of the devil. And by the way, when you look up stand in your concordance, you still have concordances? Anybody have those? Where do you have? Computer program? Check it out. Look up stand. All the verses in the New Testament concerning stand. Stand in the grace of God. Stand fast in the liberty. That tells me something. Our enemy, the devil, wants to keep us from standing in those things. From standing in grace, standing in liberty, standing in the freedom that the Lord has purchased with his blood. That we would, we would be knocked over, that we would be knocked out of the game, in other words. And so he says, hold your ground against the wiles of the devil. What are the wiles of the devil? Think about this with me. The wild, so that word wile, it's, it's, the, word, it's uh, the word we get method in the Greek. It speaks of schemes, tactics, plans. Do you know this morning the devil has a plan to mess up your life? That's what he's trying to do, to mess up your life, to mess up my life. In fact, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy your life, your marriage, your walk, your ministry. 
everything. He, wants to, he doesn't care. He's, he's a nut. He wants to wipe us out. And so he's got schemes on how to do that. In fact, you guys remember, uh, remember when Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi with his disciples in the Gospels? Matthew 16, I think it is. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am, the Son of Man am? You guys remember that? What, what's the word on the street? What are people saying? And remember, there's no shortage of opinions. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say one of the prophets. And then Jesus asked them pointedly. You guys remember what he asked them? But who do you say that I am? And by the way, that's the most important question. Your salvation depends upon your answer, by the way. Where are you going to spend eternity? How you answer that question? Who do you say Jesus is? Because he no, he's not just some good teacher or some moral dude. He's God in the flesh. And remember what Peter said? Was Peter the one who answered the question? Isn't that great? Peter step, doesn't even raise his hand. Just You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. And Jesus said what? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And upon this rock... Peter wasn't the rock. Upon this confession, this rock of your confession, I will build my, my church. Isn't that a great promise, by the way? Do you know that means we can chill out and rest and let him build his church? We don't need to freak out. Don't need to get a bunch of programs going. Love one another. Love the Lord. Jesus promised to build. Isn't that great? Remember the next thing he said, the next promise? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Isn't that amazing? The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's an amazing promise. I don't know if you guys think it is. It's glorious. Ultimately, no plan of hell can stop the church. For 2,000 years, the enemy has been trying to stop the church, hasn't he? The problem is if we get in the way. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, remember the report cards? Jesus gave this very church, the church of Ephesus, and said, I'm going to turn out the light if you leave that love relationship with me. Correct? The gates of hell. What does it mean, the gates? Are the gates going to try to charge, big gates coming after the church? Is that what it's talking about here? The gates of hell. What's that talking about? The gates in ancient times and you go to Israel today, when you go into the gates, some of them are still around. That's where the plans were made, where tactics were set up, where administration was done. Jesus was saying the tactics, the plans of hell will not, will not stop the church. That's the idea. Does that make sense, you guys? Everybody understand that? It's important to understand that. He is the, the devil is the accuser of the brethren. If you're taking notes, Revelation 12... Revelation 12. So the great dragon was cast out. Who's the great dragon? That serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. Isn't that interesting? So part of his tactics or wiles is to deceive, lies, to con. 
the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Isn't it interesting to think about this morning? Someone's accusing another brother or sister. You know who's behind it? That's why, listen, I would not receive false accusations against people. Anytime I hear an accusation, I'm like, oh, time out. Who's the accuser of the brethren again? The devil is. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And so Satan accuses us to God, by the way. You guys catch that? But don't we have a wonderful attorney? Jesus, who ever lives to make intercession for us, our wonderful counselor, right? And so not only that, we see all the way back in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, the tactics of the enemy have not changed. Genesis 3, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. What's the first question in the Bible? Did you guys see that? The first question in the Bible? It's the questioning of God's word. That's a scheme. That's a tactic of the enemy to get you and me to question God's word. Does that make sense? Just to start questioning God's word. Mike, do you understand every bit of the Bible? I don't understand every bit of the Bible. You don't? How can you be a pastor then? (laughs) I, do, you, do you understand every single thing about your wife, your husband? I don't understand every single thing about Tanya. I don't understand how the synapses in her brain work and her pancreas functions, but I love her with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Same way with the Lord. I don't understand every single thing in the Bible, but I know it's truth because the truth has set me free. And no one's going to knock me from that position I've seen and tested his word. We'll talk about that more when we put the armor of God on. But can I encourage you? The the first question of the Bible is the questioning of God's word. And notice her response. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent, who's the serpent again? Satan. Satan said to the woman, you will not surely die, liar, liar, pants on fire, right? Satan's a liar. Oh, if you do this, you'll be okay. You're not going to die. It's not going to hurt you. You can try a little bit of sin for a season. It's pleasurable, but the Bible tells us what? The way of the transgressor is hard. You start to get involved with things you shouldn't get involved in, and what happens? It brings death to you. It hurts you. And the Lord gives us, tells us things. He gives us commandments. Why? To make our life a total bummer? Does the Lord give us these instructions to make our lives a total bummer? No. Think about it, parents. Do you want your kids' lives to be a total bummer? Mom and dad, you sit around at night and say, oh, how can we make Junior's life awful? Oh, honey, that's so good. Amen. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's jack him up. Is that, parents, is that what you do? Don't you want the best for your kids? Our kids don't think it. 
But we do, because we love them. How much more our Heavenly Father? He says, walk in this. Don't walk this way. Don't, don't be involved in that. It's going to hurt you. I love you. And what does the enemy do? Questions God's word. Oh, you're not going to die. You'll be okay. God's holding out on you. He's trying to keep you away from having fun. He knows. Look what it says. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he's slandering God to man also. He slandered man to God, and now he's slandering God to man also. Wow. And what did she do? So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Listen, this tactic that the enemy used all the way back here in the garden, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is the same same tactic that he has used for the last 2,000 years. In fact, he last 6,000 years, 7,000 years, same tactic he's been using for thousands of years. In fact, he did it with Jesus too, didn't he? You guys remember? Matthew chapter 4, if you're taking notes, I'm going to read it. It's so, because listen, if, if he did that to Eve, and then he did it to Jesus, who else do you think he's going to do it to? Not, like, not a trick question. He's going to come the same way at us. He's not creative in that sense. He's doing the, using the same tactics over and over. Why does he use the same tactics over and over? Because it works. Matthew 4, listen to what it says. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil or tested by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was, what's your Bible say? He was hungry. How do you guys do when you're hungry? You're pretty patient and kind. Hangry? Is that what someone said? Hangry? That's like half hang- hungry, angry, same thing. Is that what that means? I'm learning. I'm learning. I learned triggered too pretty recently. You get, you get, you're like triggered, aren't you? Ready? Look what happens. Right when he's this is a, this is a low low point physically. Right? He's hungry. Listen. When does the the enemy comes all the time, but especially when. When you're down, right? The enemy doesn't say, oh, Mikey, you're having a rough week. I think I better lay off you. (laughs) Give you a break today. (laughs) What does the enemy do? He kicks you when you're down, doesn't he? (laughs) Keeps coming at you. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if or since you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's awesome, isn't it? 
Jesus had the word of God hidden in his heart. He didn't break out a scroll and say, I wonder what the Bible says about this temptation. He already, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. He had the right word for that temptation, didn't he? And we're going to see the same three, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And listen, can I encourage you to, to be tuned in right now? Because there's some of you guys that you are not going to win the battle this afternoon. And it's going to be in one of these three areas. And what happens is, as the seed of God's word is going out, what happens? For some of you, your heart is hardened. It's been trampled down. You've had the highway of your heart, just all kinds of stuff running over it. It's so hard. Jesus said, what happens? The devil comes and takes the seed of God's word right out of your heart. And you know, we pray every Sunday morning. I pray every day for you guys that the word of God would not be snatched from your hearts or choked out or that you wouldn't spring up like, a, like, a, like, like a, all of a sudden excited and then persecution comes from the word, for the word's sake and you fall away. It's a reality what happens. That our hearts would be tender and soft to receive his word. That we, our lives wouldn't get jacked up. Because the enemy wants to wipe us out. And so how did Jesus deal with it? He had the word of God hidden in his heart. Man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus was the only one there with Satan. The disciples were not there. And he wanted to make sure he, that they understood that you can, as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, deal with temptation. Be a man filled with the Holy Spirit or a woman filled with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And that you can have victory in the battles that you face every single day. It went on. Listen to what it says. Then the devil took him, Jesus, up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands... They shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. This is the pride of life. Get up on the top of that pinnacle, yell Geronimo, jump off. The angels will catch you. Everybody will go, ooh, ah, oh, wow. What a Messiah. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve the pride of life. Then the devil left him and behold, Angels came and ministered to him. Listen, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we are not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. We're not to be ignorant of this. We are to know. We are to know, know that Satan has devices, schemes, tactics, and how to deal with these, right? The, the Apostle Paul wants to help us to deal with these things. And by the way, the devil is not God's equal, I just want to make sure we understand that because there's some people, again, to the extreme one side that think, okay, God and devil, they're wrestling it out and God's got Satan in a headlock right now. Oh, now it's not so much. The devil has God in an arm bar. No, 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 no. You're misled. You're misguided. Satan is a created being. God is the creator. 
God is almighty, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient. He knows everything. Satan doesn't. Satan can only be at one place at one time, by the way. And we're going to see in just a moment in these next verses, he certainly does have a, has a horde of henchmen that work for him, that they are organized. It's an organized attack. But it's only, how many? It's only one-third of the angels. Satan led, but that's pretty powerful, led one-third of the angels in rebellion to God. But we have, how many's left? Two-thirds. Isn't that good? I'm not good at math, but I know that much. That means we got more, there's more of us than more than, than them. We got more on our side, and, and our dad can beat their dad. That's all that matters. So you let him, you let, let the Lord fight your battles. Are you with me? When Satan comes knocking at your door, say, Lord, you answer. I'm staying as far away as possible. I'm not going to deal with that. Because I know I'll mess up. I'll blow it every single time. And so look at verse 12. For, or because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is so important to catch this morning. As believers, our struggle, our conflict, our fight, our battle is not against people. I hope everybody heard that this morning. I mean, not just with these holders. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. But who is our battle against? Look what it says. This is what the book says. Principalities, those high-ranking fallen angels, those demons, powers, principalities, powers, those given authority from God, allowed by Him, the leaders in the kingdom of darkness, those promoting evil, spiritual hosts of wickedness, where? In the heavenly places, behind the scenes, in the spiritual realm. And so there's this coordinated effort led by Satan and his fallen angels. And so how does that work out? Which, it's almost like he has an army. Some are general, some are, I don't know what the next thing is, colonel, whatever, major. How does it work out, pastor? Listen, I have no clue, and I could care less. I could care less. The important thing to understand this morning is your fight, your struggle, my fight, my struggle is not against people. Your fight this morning is not against your spouse. It's not against your kids. It's not against your neighbor. Your fight is not against the Democrats. I'm positive. <laughs> or Republicans or whatever. That's, that's not who you're fighting against. In reality, if that is your fight, you are fighting the wrong enemy. It's like, go for it. Keep fighting people. Are you sure about that, Mike? That's what the book says. Can I give you an example? Back to Matthew 16. Remember Peter was hearing from heaven? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven... Peter's a heavyweight prophet at this point. He's hearing from heaven, speaking, speaking truth, right? And then Jesus said to his disciples, I'm about to suffer, be betrayed, go to the cross. 
to die but rise again on the third day. Remember what Peter did? You guys remember what Peter did? Took Jesus, right? Took him aside. Told him, don't be making negative confessions, man. Peter rebuked Jesus. It's heavy. You know you're way, listen, you know you're way off if you ever rebuke Jesus. Remember what Jesus said to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Was he saying that Peter was Satan incarnate? Is that what he's saying? Who was behind what Peter was communicating? The devil. This is, so, this is another scheme. You, you don't need to go the way of the cross. You can take a shortcut. Not you, Lord. Because Jesus had just talked about the cross, the suffering. No, 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 no. You don't. And listen, that's a temptation today. You know what I hear? You can leave that guy. You can leave that guy. Oh, you found your soulmate? Now, you made a vow before God, and there's no biblical ground for divorce. The biblical instruction is to take up your cross and die to yourself and experience the Lord's resurrection power because the Lord is always the answer. The enemy always provides a shortcut to circumvent the cross. Don't go the way of suffering. Take the easy way out. Can I remind us this morning that we are called to suffer? I don't like to, that's not a very positive message this morning, Pastor. Read first, get a chance to get alone with the Lord with first Peter. Jesus left us an example to follow in his footsteps. There is suffering. We've chosen to go the difficult way, haven't we? The narrow way is difficult. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. In this world, Jesus said, you will have tribulate, not that on your promise calendar at home. In this world, you will have tribulation, pressure, heaviness, suffering. I know it's not a like amenable message right there, but it's part of our, it's part, listen, it's part of our vocation, our calling. Because as people see our lives when we do suffer, and we suffer in a way that looks like Jesus, it touches people's hearts, doesn't it? When Jesus suffered on the cross, did it touch people's lives? The way he processed suffering? One of those thieves got right with God, didn't he? Roman centurion, wow! Truly this man is the son of God because of the way he processed suffering and difficulty and the way that you and I go through suffering does anybody here never suffer at all? Have difficulty? We have it, don't we? The easy way out is not to go the way of the cross. That's a temptation of Satan all day long, is to take the easy way out. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but mindful of the things of man. If I have a mind full of the things of man, guess what? I'm going the wrong direction. I need to have a mind full. How do I get a mind full of the things of God? Like osmosis, just put this under my pillow at night, like tooth fairy stuff. How do, how do I get this? 
I meditate on the Word of God. I spend time with the Lord. Read your Bible and pray every day. You're going to grow, grow, grow. Is that how the song goes? Is that how it goes? Read, read your Bible and pray every day. You're going to grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible and forget to pray. You're going to shrink, shrink, shrink. Is that how it goes? Something like that. Sorry, I just had to sing today. I don't know that was... You're out of tune, Pastor. You're taking notes, 2 Corinthians 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Guys, we're in a spiritual battle. And I, and I understand, I, I hear this a lot, we're fighting from victory, and that is correct. We are fighting from victory, yes? Colossians 2, Paul says that Jesus spoiled principalities and powers with his, with his death and resurrection from the dead. He spoiled, he disarmed principalities and powers, the very thing, disarmed, and he disrobed them with his victory. And so we do, we do fight from victory, but we are to look to his strength and his sufficiency to put on the whole armor. If not, we will lose the battle. Are you with me? You guys ever lose battles, by the way, again? Do you guys ever lose battles? We do, don't we? Oh, the victory's been won. But each one of us, we will face battles today, tomorrow, until we what? Until we pass through the veil into eternity. Then the war's over. <laughs> the fighting's over. It's done. And along the way, we get to bring the Lord glory. He uses all of it to refine us, to make us more like Jesus, right? We're being conformed to the image of Christ, even with the spiritual warfare that we go through when we look to him. He's doing a work. And it is a wrestling, isn't it? Look what it says. We wrestle. We do not wrestle. Anybody here wrestle? We got some wrestlers here? No? No wrestlers? Anybody want to wrestle after? No. <laughs> it's exhausting. It's exhausting. And the enemy wants to wear you down, to derail you, derail your fellowship. He's relentless. I, can I encourage you, don't be unaware of his presence and his purposes. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. You know the devil can be resisted. St resist him steadfast in the faith. You keep trusting the Lord. Keep looking to the Lord. One more verse is all we got time for. We're not going to get, that's not a bummer. We get to, don't get to the armor today. Can I encourage you to put on your armor today? Can I encourage you in that? Some of you guys, you need to put that helmet of salvation on. You've been using that helmet for a mixing bowl. <laughs> get it on there. Protect that nugget. Because the, the enemy's going to try to get in your head. That's how he operates. Easy to get in our heads, man. Get that breastplate. 
a little rust, get it back on. Your sword, maybe your sword, has been in the garage for a while, picking up rust, dust, get, break it out. Keep it sharp. You guys ever use dull instruments? It doesn't, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. You keep that thing sharp. We're going to talk about that next week. Therefore, listen, take up the whole armor, he says, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Some days are a lot more evil than others, aren't they? And then he says, and having done all to stand. Can I encourage us this morning to keep standing? The encouragement is, man, you're in a battle. You're a soldier. Don't flee. Don't retreat. Stand. Stand how? In your own might, in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own sufficiency? No, in the power of the Lord and in his might and put on the armor that he supplied you with. That way, when you get into the battle this afternoon, when you leave the parking lot, man, you're ready to go. That temptation comes, all of a sudden, I got out my sword. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Touche. <laughs> Does that make sense? You got the right word for that temptation. Amen? Amen. In Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for your word this morning. God, I just uh, pray for my brothers and sisters that they would take away um, the things that have come from your heart today. God, we don't want to lose battles, Lord, but we want to have victory and we realize and recognize apart from you, we can do nothing. We need you.